Now is the time to get the Injury Finder. Injury predictions and fragility ratings on all fantasy-relevant players in the App Store on Google Play and includes recovery analysis from licensed physical therapists, and it's only five bucks. This is the Decision Point with Anand and Dury. Anand, NFC North time. Very exciting division. We thought about the NFC South, then we said, nah. <laughs> no. Man, there's too much going on in the NFC South, man. We Who can't. knows what the Not hell any of those teams are doing? We'll, we'll figure that out another time. <laughs> we want to have a fun day. We want to have a fun day. So we're going to have a fun day. That means NFC North. A lot of scoring. Three out of the four teams in the NFC North have much better offenses than defenses, which makes it fun. Who do you want to start with? I think I think we start with where I am. I think we start with Chicago mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. talk of the town is Justin Fields QB six on underdog right now at ADP. Superflex is going in the first round, which a year ago would have been a long stretch. We we saw what happened with Jalen a year ago. We saw what happened, you know. Uh, and, and we're hoping that it happens with DJ Moore, Justin Fields this year. There's They're the talk of the town right now, and justifiably so, because my God was last year's on-field product tough to watch. The defense was bad. The offensive line was relatively bad. You had Darnell Mooney operating as the one, and he got hurt last year. So, you know, they had you know, replacement guy A and replacement guy B playing wide receiver for him. They just extended Cole Komet. There's a lot to like about the direction of this team. But in context, the question everybody wants answered is, what is Justin Fields going to turn into as a passer? And we have a differing opinion than some folks who don't think that he'll ever get there. Uh, but to never be fair, get there. never get there is, is a long, long way to go. And there are th- where there are, are the QB scouts when we need them that, that look at throwing motion, arm mechanics. He's got great mechanics. He's got a great throwing motion. This idea that that he sort of pushes the ball out there like Lamar Jackson, that if you put him in a vacuum or in a throwing competition like Lamar Jackson famously failed at the uh, <laughs> at the Pro Bowl. I remember it. Oh, my God, that got clipped till eternity. Yeah, it didn't. No targets were hit. It was bad. But that's not Justin Fields. Justin Fields actually is is a fundamentally sound passer. So I don't understand where this comes from. Just this, oh, they didn't feel comfortable turning up the the dials on the offense because he also didn't have great receivers either last year. So they decided to play conservative. Big deal. Like that was last year, right? That that was was a new year. It's, It's not a big deal. And it's not like this massive indictment against this quarterback's passing ability. He was a prolific passer at Ohio State. He certainly threw a lot more than he ran at Ohio State, uh, and they did that purposefully because they know that he's a great thrower. So we are in the camp that believes that he's going to throw more this year. I agree. And I think the biggest question that you have to answer is how long will it take him to unlearn having to play hero ball, which I don't think it'll take super long. He didn't have to do it at Ohio State. He had to do it early last year and often last year because the team around him was very bad. The team around him this year is not bad. They are probably much closer to league average than last year's team was. Last year's team was a three-win team. That was not a good roster, especially when Darnell went down. 
they were just breaking in new faces every that team was about figuring out what pieces they wanted to move forward with and i think they did a really solid job of identifying yeah. hey we really need a one we need a tight end that our our quarterback believes in we need to help him at tackle we need to do something about the depth that we have at wide receiver and they went out and got dj moore and in all honesty, the reason that they were able to get DJ Moore is the Texans won a meaningless game. That's DJ it. Moore is a bear because Houston won a meaningless game. Other than that, I don't think they get DJ Moore in that offer from Carolina because Carolina was not moving up to two to take CJ Stroud. They're moving up to one to take Bryce Young. I still can't believe they gave so many picks and players. DJ Moore was just a throw-in. Yeah. It was like a gratuitous addition. I couldn't believe they did that. I was like, this is that, this trade is egregious enough. And then you add DJ Moore. What? I was yeah, in the car. That, we live talked about this. We, were, we I think we set up a Twitter spaces yep. just after this trade went down. You dialed in. I was in there. Billy was in there. I remember I, we were driving through New York. I uh, was on the George Washington Bridge talking about the fact that they just overpay another overpay. And then it's like, well, at least maybe they're going to draft C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson, a quarterback with real upside, not a 5'9", nothing, right? A 5'9", well, quarterback that's been trained and, and been taught to take tests and trick NFL evaluators into thinking he's the fastest information processor ever, when, but actually he doesn't have the physical tools that you would want at the first quarterback drafted overall. It's it's We're in this weird strange place where the NFL is overcorrected with analytics and now I'm the guy that's asking for a throw mechanics expert to come in and start to evaluate and help <laughs> these teams call plays to help these teams remember that height matters and athleticism matters when you're at the 101 and you're taking the first player off the board give what like 10 years ago the, <laughs> Bryce Young would not have been in consideration in the top 10 no, and, and it probably and, would have been either Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud, probably C.J. Stroud. And then Anthony Richardson w would have been the second pick. But no, now we're in this weird place where the NFL is like, oh, no, no, we, we, we only now care about the their, you know, the S2 test, right? And information processing and and these advanced uh, accuracy metrics from college. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Still the most predictive metric for quarterbacks is height. It's still it's that's still true. That's always been true. But that this is what happens when you try to play catch up and say, okay, now now we're an analytics franchise. We're analytics based. You go through all the stop signs and you overcorrect and you end up focusing on the wrong metric, which is what Carolina did to the great benefit of the Bears. Think about the needs that they had coming into the season. I mean, it's incredible that they needed tackles so badly. They needed interior defensive line so badly. They needed a, 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 an all-purpose running back that actually has juice, right? And so what do they do? Defensive tackle in the second round, Gervon Dexter. Defensive tackle in the third round in Zach Pickens. And then Darnell Wright, just a, a mammoth offensive tackle with the 10th pick. And they didn't have to use an early pick on a wide receiver because they got DJ Moore! And it may not be this year, but it's going to be soon. It's going to be soon that we're going to start talking about the Bears as a contender in this division. And the the best part about it is there are certain franchises that have an identity. And Chicago's identity has always been, we're going to play defense here. We're going to run the ball and play defense. And it's like everybody forgot 
about the Jay Cutler, Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey years and wanted to go back to let's run the ball and play defense. And Nagy, to his credit, got away with a few clever tricks with Mitch Trubisky and a really good defense in that 12-4 and year where they really pushed for it. But that team wasn't built to last in a, in a manner that can consistently win in the modern NFL. This team can be if they keep doing what they're doing, which is stacking chips on the offensive and defensive line, paying the right players, acquiring guys at, at costs that you're comfortable with. Yeah, of course, they had to hit the cap floor. We've talked about this before. That's why they paid two inside linebackers. You can do that when your quarterback is cheap. You can do that when you're paying your running back nothing. You can do that when your wide receiver two and three aren't costing you a ton. Going forward, the questions are going to be for this team, who amongst this 23 team is going to make it to 24 and then 25 and 26 that we're going to be willing to pay? They actually have the pieces to evaluate some of these guys now, whether it's, you know, Braxton Jones, whether it's Justin Fields, Roshan Johnson, who we love. All of these guys are going to get an actual ability in a real offense that has talent to go out there and show what they can do. And their over-under win total proves that. Vegas is not in the business of giving you great lines to make free money. They really believe that the Bears are a seven and a half win team. And I agree with them. I think that seven and 10, eight and nine is right where this team is going to be. Now, is that going to be because the offense takes a huge step forward with a wide receiver one? We think that could be part of it. Is the defense going to be better? My God, you can't get much worse. Oh, it's going to be a lot better. Yeah, again, they it, were the it worst. Can't be worse. They were the worst defense in the NFL by a wide margin last year, and you could tell because they were the most fantasy friendly defense to play for both quarterbacks and running backs. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it, was it was start anybody against the Bears it was last really year. Wild. I and, and here's I the great irony: the, the, the like for now and for the next couple of years. Chicago and Carolina are, are attached. There's a great irony here that the that two of the top three teams in the NFL with the most salary cap space are the Bears and the Panthers. The other one is the Cardinals, right? But look at the win total projection. Seven and a half for the Bears, seven and a half for the Panthers. This is BetMGM. The promo code is Underworld on BetMGM. You get up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win on BetMGM. The promo code is Underworld. The Bears and Panthers have incredible cap space. Panthers, $20.5 million. Bears, $28.5 million in cap space. And yet Vegas believes these are nearly 500 teams. Mm-hmm. They're almost, you know, have a 500 record in their projections. And so the, seven and a half is almost eight. Is- That's basically eight and nine. They think that both of these teams are eight and nine teams. Why? They've invested in the offensive line and the secondary, right? And- they, they edge rushers, offensive line, secondary. That's where these teams have, have gotten good. I mean, the Carolina Panthers defense is one of the best defenses in the NFC. It's just too bad, right? Imagine if they had drafted C.J. Stroud. The, their, their future would be inexorably linked to the Bears, but now with Bryce Young, I fear that they're gonna they're gonna have a, a hard plateau there, a hard mediocrity plateau because they didn't draft the right quarterback. But they are building in the right way. If you're just looking at cap space juxtaposed with their 2023 Vegas over under win total. The Bears and Panthers are clearly headed in the right direction. Another team with a lot of cap space is the Lions with $20 million. We'll talk about them in a little bit. 
And by the way, whenever I'm talking about these teams, right, I immediately go to the world famous draft kit and I just pull up the content. I pull up the schedule. I pull up the vacated targets, the vacated air yards, who these teams drafted, who they lost in free agency, who they added in free agency. It's all available in the world famous draft kit. It's the resource I go to. In fact, if you look at my Chrome tabs, I just have Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit, Green Bay, team insights from the world famous draft kit up. The world famous draft kit, people keep talking about, oh, Billy has his personal cheat sheet and Theo and Dario and, and the ability to download all the granular projections and all these things from the cheat. Yeah, that's fine, right? And we added a whole rate my team feature where it actually scores your team. It also rates it upside. It rates its injury risk. So it's all algorithmic. Uh, it's from the mind of Dario and, and don't forget, Evan Ringler, our analytics intern, did a phenomenal job building out the, the rate my team algorithm. And then that whole feature is now live in the draft kit. It's world famous for a reason. You can use code PODFATHER to get $10 off the all-in package, which includes the world-famous draft kit. And it's amazing that it's just, it's so useful even for a podcast that isn't directly talking about fantasy football. Certainly, there are fantasy implications that we touch on over and over and over again throughout the show. But the fact that it's such a resource for me hosting a pure NFL show with all of the fantasy football information that you have in that draft kit, that's why it's the best. So when we look at the, the various props that are available with the Bears, what about Justin Fields to win MVP? If he does unlock the passing game, then he is going to have an epic season, potentially a Lamar Jackson 2019 type season. Why or why not should I be considering Justin Fields for MVP on BetMGM at 20 to 1. And we'll get into it after this. Big new update from Sleeper. Oh my God. Who knew that the best fantasy football app could become twice as good? It's easier to find the best available players on the waiver wire. It's easier to get around. It's easier to get in the chat. It's easier to move between leagues. I mean, this is the place to host your fantasy league. Go to the App Store. Go to Google Play. Download Sleeper. And thank me later. Why or why not should I be considering Justin Fields for MVP on BetMGM at 20 to 1? That number is inflated because people are betting it over and over and over again. And their logic in at first glance is pretty sound. It's a guy that can take a leap kind of like we've seen out of a Lamar Jackson in year two, like we saw to Jalen Hurts in year three. There are these guys that come into the league that you can kind of tell it's going to take them a second and it's going to take a while to build around them. The problem is the MVP, as we've discussed on this show a million and a half times, is a narrative-based award. And if the Bears don't win 10 games, he has no shot to win it. If they go nine and eight, he's not winning it. There's and no that's way. a win, by the way. Eight wins is a win. Yeah, right. Now I like I like taking the really over on the season. Bears in the over under market. I guess I and, think they can. I think they they they're set up to win eight games. Nine wins would be incredible, and yet still but, not nearly enough to get him the MVP. They'd have to go out and win something like twelve games, have a season like Minnesota did last year. Then it would be in play. You have to get to ten. Yeah, ten it's is so where unlikely the to even get to ten that yeah. once you factor in the probability of getting to ten, and then you factor in the probability that even if they do get to ten, there's a, a, a whole range of outcomes there where he's not as good as 
Herbert. He's not as good as Josh Allen. He's just not as good as Joe Burrow. And those teams have similar records. It's going to go to those guys. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate part about it. I don't think the argument is he can't get the stats to do it. The question is because of the way that award is voted on. Because you've got to consider that. It's not about who we would give the MVP award to or the player of the year award, as I would call it. But it's the way that it's voted on. And of course, it's a narrative-based award. So if the Bears do win 10 or 11 games, Justin Fields' ability to win MVP goes through the roof. We're not suggesting that that's not possible. It's just, it's not likely that this team gets to 10 or 11 wins. And if they do, it's also likely that that's moved some markets for some other guys, whether it's Roshan Johnson to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, whether it's, you know, a player on their defense that comes of age and has a shot at defensive player of the year. They're going to have to get so much better on both sides of the ball to go from three and 14 or three, 13, one, whatever it was to, to get to 10 or 11 wins for him to win that, that the number that you're being offered here just isn't consistent with the odds that the bears actually win enough games for him to get it. This isn't about the stats he's going to put up. He's going to be the same fantasy quarterback either way, which is why we love him this year. Even if he throws less and runs a little, or even if he throws more and runs a little less, the, the rushing upside and the touchdown upside, especially in the red zone, is still going to be there. And you've still got dynamic rushing ability if he wants to use it. It's just the passing game is going to be so much improved just because there's a legitimate one, which allows Mooney to play the two. I don't think this team can win enough games realistically to get him close enough to the point where his stats are going to matter in that MVP race. But I think you're going to see at the end of this year that going into next year, going into 24, he's going to have a really hot MVP market again, kind of like Burrow did two years ago and then this year and then this past year. If you watch how those MVP odds markets change, in order to be a favorite, it really takes a full year. Like right now, it takes a full year and a half to almost two years. Like Jalen Hurts, Last year was phenomenal. We all think that he should have won it. He's 12 to 1 and Joe Burrow 7.5 to 1. It really takes two years to enter that top group of favorites with Allen and Mahomes and now where Burrow is. If you watch that market move, what you're going to notice is Justin this year will probably make the jump into where Jalen is now, where he'll open next year at 10 to 1, 12 to 1, somewhere in there. And then by 2025, your hope is either he's won it in 2024 or the team has improved so much that by 25, he's in that group of favorites at about seven. Here's how bad this bet is. From Justin Fields all the way down, all the quarterbacks around him with their MVP odds at 20 to 1, 10 to 1, 30 to 1, all the quarterbacks around him. Vegas is projecting them to win at least eight and a half games, right? What's the line on the Seahawks? Eight and a half. What's the line on the Broncos for Russell Wilson? Eight and a half. Derek Carr and the Saints, actually, it's nine and a half, mm-hmm. right? You go on down the board. Brock Purdy, Kirk Cousins. Vegas is projecting at least an eight and a half win season for these teams. You have to go all the way down to Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett at 50 to one on BetMGM in order to find a team with an MVP candidate that Vegas believes will finish with a losing record, with a sub 8.0 projected win total. And that's what the tough part about this is. You love the talent, and you know the numbers are going to be way better than they were last year. And we're really excited about the, the future of this Bears offense and what they can do. But MVP is not about that. 
as much as it is about wins and losses, which unfortunately is not how I think we should issue it out, but it is how people vote on it. And you know how the AP voters vote on this award. There's no way if the Bears go nine and eight, they're giving this award to Justin Fields, despite the Herculean effort and the shoulder carrying that it would require from him to get there. I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that it's fair or that it's right. It's just the way that it is. If you want some kind of fun long shot, I give you Roshan Johnson 30 to one to be the rookie of the year because he's got a clear path, just has to outplay Khalil Herbert. That's not going to be difficult. He's bigger, better in every way than Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert may a touch more explosive, but Roshan just better. And they've also said, oh, they've already teed it up and they've, they've, they've telegraphed it. With the coach speak, have you heard the coach speak that between Roshan and Khalil Herbert, it's going to come down to pass pro? That's what they've said. That's what the coaches are saying. We'll get it. They didn't say experience. They didn't say trust. They said pass pro. And you know who's one of the best pass protection backs in the NFL currently as we as we speak right now? Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson is an absolute mauler and a stud in pass pro. You should have seen him at the Senior Bowl. It was just one, because they, they let the linebackers get a running start with almost no friction, straight, coming straight at the quarterback, right? And they ask these guys, like Evan Hull, at 200 pounds to step in front of these guys, and these they just get demolished, right? Mm-hmm. Tajay Spears, these poor, these poor players, they're sub-210 pounds, and they're just getting run over. Chase Brown, I'm surprised he survived this drill, right? But guess what happened when Roshan Johnson stood in there? They couldn't move him. There's just it was it was a it was textbook. It was just his feet were planted and then that linebacker went up into the air. And it, awesome. it it was just a completely different deal. And Doesn't so they, they're like already setting the stage. You could tell they love him. They're already setting the stage for this guy to to become the primary back sooner rather than later. And then you're you've got just a, a couple running backs that have that outcome. It's Bijan Robinson could be the full blown primary back. Uh, it's uh, it's it's not two and a half chain. to one. Probably. It's not Jameer Gibbs. These are satellite backs. So the next guy is Kendra Miller, and Kendra Miller actually has more touch competition there in, in in what will likely be a more challenging situation for him because they've been divesting in the offensive line in New Orleans, where the Bears are investing in the offensive line. So Roshan Johnson at thirty to one on BetMGM, but it's actually 50 to one. He's 50 to one to win MVP on DraftKings. And that's a fun bet. I mean, the the funny part about it is the Saints are bringing in Kareem Hunt. I think they're going to sign him. Like You're talking about Kamara's going to be back week four. You're adding Kareem Hunt, who is still juice left in him. It's not like they ran him into the ground in Cleveland. A little bit. And I mean, they're they're just crowding that backfield full of guys. Kendra's a really fun player that I think is going to be awesome for them going forward. It's just the path for him to be the guy in year one doesn't seem as clean cut as it does for Bijan, who we know is going to be the guy, and then Roshan. I mean, every other backfield that has a rookie running back seems somewhat crowded. There was an argument to be made maybe for Chase Brown in Cincinnati if you know Mixon hadn't come back. This is probably the clearest path that anyone's going to get. And we know how offensive rookie of the year gets issued. It's a couple of splash plays. And if you're in that, you know, can you get close to that thousand yard mark, whether it's receiver or running back, if they give him the opportunities, he's going to get close. So, I mean, 30 to one is crazy value for a guy that we think 50 to one, 50 to one on DraftKings. So 
I just want to tell everybody a little bit of a story from behind the scenes here. I record these videos every week. You know, my favorite late round quarterbacks, my favorite handcuff running backs. I just recorded my favorite handcuff running backs a couple days ago. It's been in the editing room. And since then, Jerome Ford strained a hamstring and the Saints are working out Mr. Kareem Hunt. And so who did I have in my top six handcuffed backs? Of course, Jerome Ford. Of course, Kendra Miller. So this is this is such a curse. This is the problem, though. This is the time of year that people want these videos, but the moment you publish them, they become obsolete. So it's not my fault. If you watch this video, like, he didn't even mention the Kareem Hunt signing. Well, that's because I recorded it before the signing. He didn't even mention the Jerome Ford hamstring injury. It was before. <laughs> right? It's, not, it's like I could just keep editing it and never produce it, never actually publish the video because we're just, oh, no, something's changed. Oh, no, something's changed. But the beauty is with social media, just know it's not my intention. My intention is for this to be the most up-to-date, accurate, and actionable video. But it is going to help the engagement of the video and the reach of the video that people are going to be in the comments going, don't you know, don't you know that Kareem Hunt's working out there? Don't you know that Jerome Ford, he, he strained a hamstring? Like, this is me typing, by the way. I'm just typing, typing, just typing. Oh, the keyboard banging on the banging. Banging on the keyboard. You don't you know? Don't you know? You need to know about these injuries. How did you not know this when you were doing this video? Oh, I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna love you. You should absolutely at some point drop a uh, wide receivers. I love it ADP and just just throw uh, throw QJ and Jamison in there just for fun and see what. Happens. Oh, they! I, I did my I did my busts. I did my surefire busts. Do not draft these players. And QJ was on there. I'm sure, of course, he was. QJ, Calvin Ridley. People just they they hate me. They hate me because of some of the they hate some of these these positions. And also Bijan Robinson. That you not drafting Bijan Robinson in the first round. That is a trap. It is a sucker play. All I know is he's three to one to be rookie of the year. If Bijan's three to one, and people in Texas said, hey, Bijan and Roshan were very close at Texas in terms of ability. So if one guy's three to one and the other guy's 50 to one and everyone around the program said it was close between these two, who are you going to go with, right? If it was Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown, one was three to one, one was 50 to one. You'd go with whoever was the guy that was 50 to one. So that's the case for Roshan Johnson. Now let's talk about the Packers. Jordan Love, 50 to one. That is a wasted bet for MVP. One of the worst bets I could think of. 50 yeah, yeah, to 1. Jordan Love. Asking, what? Asking Jordan Love to win MVP in his first year starting is crazy. What? Uh, I, how is he not uh, 10 to Why was he not a million? I mean, it doesn't even. I just like. It's not like. And the, the thing is, it's not like he's got the the peak Rogers complement of weapons. It's not like he's got Jordy and Greg and Donald Driver out there. These guys are all young and not that they don't have upside. Not that I don't like Christian Watson. Not that I don't like Romeo Dobbs. Not that I don't like the tight ends that they drafted. Oh, I don't like Romeo Dobbs at all. I think he's terrible. Oh, what are we he can't doing? play. He doesn't have uh, he has weak hands. He has a, a mid-level work ethic. He doesn't have that dog in him according to Cody Carpentier. And from what I've seen as a guy that shrinks from the moment, but he's also very young. And that's part of the reason that you can't ask too much of players that are all 
under 25 years old. Jordan Love's 24. Christian Watson's 24. Romeo Dobbs is 23. Jaden Reed's 23. Musgrave's 22. So they have the youngest skill position starters in the passing game in the NFL easily. And the thing is, you if you're in Green Bay, you've got to be somewhat excited about that going forward. But that's not going to manifest itself this year. If, if that wide receiver room becomes very good over time, it's not going to happen in 2023. It's going to be 24, 25 and beyond. And it's tough to evaluate what you're going to have out of Jordan Love with this group of weapons only because they're going <laughs> to lean on, on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon so much as they should, as they should. That's one of the best one-two duos we have in the league. And if you have that at running back, are you asking your quarterback to throw 40 times a game? You shouldn't be. I, I mean, the team is not horrible. It's not like we're looking at last year's errors. It's not like we're looking at this year's Cardinals. It's not like Green Bay has no talent. They do. It's just if you're asking for the talent to evaluate a quarterback, you need a bunch at receiver. And I know Billy loves Christian Watson. I know he does. And, you know, there's a lot to like about his game. But asking Christian Watson to be a number one at 24 years old for a quarterback that's thrown how many NFL passes? Regression. Regression. It's not popular to talk about exciting, electric, second-year players that run a 4-3-6, right, 98th percentile speed score on player profiler for Christian Watson. He was the second-best athlete in his class. He went out and was just a total monster at the end of last season. He put up, I mean, a 21-point game, 32-point game, another 21-point game, a 24-point game. He had a a month stretch where he was averaging, averaging 26 fantasy points per game. Now, in the other weeks, he didn't crest 10 fantasy points. So he had a month, and then between those those months, on both sides of that month, it wasn't anything. So... He is going to regress. It's going to be uh, potentially a catastrophic re- regression. I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. The air yards were super inconsistent. 15 air yards, negative 4 air yards, 164 air yards, 82 air yards, 131 air yards, 18 air yards, 76 air yards, 131 air yards. So in depending on the game, the matchup, and the game plan, they decided to use him differently. He's very versatile. He's very exciting. But all this guy did was catch touchdowns. I mean, he had two games in a row where he had three red zone targets. That's hard to do. You you rarely see that, man. It's crazy. Yeah. In that stretch, three touchdowns, two touchdowns, one touchdown, one touchdown. So in that four-week stretch, the guy posted seven touchdowns. Regression! Regression. And, and I mean, he is a regression. I love him, but he's a regression candidate. This whole team is headed in the wrong direction. They are in the early stages of a rebuild. Here's the thing. You know how sometimes you look at like the charts of the planet, right? Of the the universe, of the stock market, whatever it is. You see these charts, and it's like, oh, the stock market's booming, or the stock market's in decline. Then you like you like zoom out ten years. Oh wait, the stock market was booming, right? You can do this with charts, fun with charts, right? It just depends on your perspective. So I believe that what we are seeing right now for the Packers, if you were to just to look at it, you would you would think that they're in like a little bit of a lull period, just a, a short lull period. But actually, if you zoomed out, where, where you think of this is actually that we're at the beginning of a massive rebuilding trough and handing the keys to the castle over to Jordan Love is just the very beginning 
of the rebuild of the tank. That This is actually year one of like a four-year tank, which is predicated on Jordan Love flaming out and the coaches and the front office quietly knowing this. The coaches know it and they're powerless to stop it. The front office is like, we know exactly what's happening. We know exactly what we're doing. The number one draft pick will be ours. I mean, if if Jordan Love goes out there and plays well, which is within the realm of possibility, I think it's, it's possible. possible. It's just not likely. I don't he think wasn't it's like efficient in college. He wasn't good throughout the process. He was overdrafted in the first round. Quarterbacks that look like him end up as Drew Locke time and time and time and time and time again. That's his most likely outcome. Trusting I, any member of this passing game to a bunch of early 20-year-olds is foolish. The way to play it is say, hey, I can dabble on a running back like A.J. Dillon, right, in the middle rounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can take a flyer on maybe Jaden Reed is actually better than Christian Watson, right? That's possible. So it sounds crazy because that one month, but it's very possible. So And you can get him at the end of drafts. So there's a, a, a... a super explosive size speed specimen athlete at the running back position you can get in the middle rounds in AJ Dillon. There's a very late round wide receiver that could be the best wide receiver in this class. When it's all when it's all over, when it's all said and done, the one guy that wasn't a first round pick who we could look up and go, oh, yeah, he was comparable to Stephon Diggs and he ends up being the best receiver in this class. It's actually Jaden Reed. It's most likely going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's by far the most likely outcome. If not him, then Zay Flowers. If not him, though, why not Jaden Reed? Down the road, in the future. This is a future-looking franchise. Going under 7.5 is easy. It's easy. Actually, it's it's a positive payout, too. There's actually less juice when you take the under 7.5. Like, the public thinks that they're getting a deal. Like, the, the public is actually more likely to go over the payout on the overbet is like minus 120. I saw somewhere minus 140. Do Go under, man. Think, Go under. Do we think this team struggled with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? <laughs> right. And then the whole thing was like Runyon and Bakhtiari, right? That they're not, they're a year older. The whole point was we got to keep these guys healthy. We got to keep these guys upright for Aaron Rodgers. And it's the same. It's the same offensive lineman, yet another year older, another year dustier. I have all the respect in the world for Green Bay's front office and the way that they do business. To to not really have to tear down for 30 years is kind of crazy. That doesn't really happen. But also, you were gifted back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. All credit is due to the staffs that drafted and traded for those two guys. But, but... If Jordan Love isn't that, and here's here's the really here's the real tragedy. If you are Jordan Love, they may not be they may not expect you to be Brett or to be Aaron, but they're expecting you to be damn good. They're expecting you to eventually be the best quarterback in your division. They're expecting you eventually to lead playoff rosters. Oh, this poor guy, and, man, and, he's being set up to fail. And and the really sad part is. You didn't get him out there often. It's not like he had a bunch of time out there to learn and to be thrown to the wolves, so to speak. Matt, what year is this? In his final year at Utah State, a Mountain Whack conference team. 
62% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. If you, you're going to have to live with this. If you're a Packers fan, you have to live what? with this. And this has to be okay with what? you because it would be okay with me. If drafting Jordan Love pissed Aaron Rodgers off into back-to-back MVP seasons and made the franchise what it was yet again, you have to live with that outcome. But if you are expecting Jordan Love to walk in there day one and do some of the things that Justin Fields did for Chicago last year in terms of strapping the offense to his back and carrying them to 30-point games, I just don't think that's in the range of outcomes for him this year. He can eventually develop into that, but that requires firing live bullets and seeing what the kids got. Asking him to be that in 2023, putting an MVP ticket on Jordan Love oh, is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. He can't it doesn't make even any sense. run for first downs. I mean, the guy had less than 500 total rushing yards in his college career at Utah State. Okay, not I exactly mean, like the the college conference that's going to have the uh, you know an abundance of spy linebackers and strong safeties preventing quarterbacks from rushing absolutely not and then what did he do last year negative one rushing yard he had a, he had a, he had a few passes he to. played in four games he didn't run at all he's not a running quarterback like at least if you're going to put an mvp ticket down on like a kenneth pickett right kenneth pickett senior <laughs> is it kenneth now <laughs> yes so yeah you, you, you don't call him kenny so no it's still kenny but i call him kenneth Kenneth Pickett Sr., then you need to have some wild card element of, hey, this guy's got grit and rushing ability, and he can go out there and he can do Jake Plummer things and capture the imagination of the public. Ooh, good good pull. Love Jake Plummer. That's what Kenneth Pickett Sr. brings to the table. Jordan Love brings none of them. None. Jordan Love is a zero. Jordan Love can't do... He doesn't even have a... He has a fake strong arm, too. So... He's a, he has fake mobility. He has a fake arm. He's fake. It's the fakest thing I've ever seen in terms of the, 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 and this, this, this sales job, this snow job, really, by Packers front office on the public that, oh, we have the replacement for Aaron Rodgers ready to go. Everybody enjoy the Jordan Love era with a, a passing game with no one is older than 24 years old. This is going to be fun. No, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be brutal. Take the under. I, I think the best case scenario, if you are a Packers fan this year, is you learn a lot about your skill position players. Jordan takes a step, and A.J. Dillon proves that you didn't need to pay Aaron at any point and that he can handle and shoulder that load. Because, and Jaden Reed's a hit. And Jaden Reed's a hit, right? I mean, you know, defensively, Green Bay is not going to fall off a cliff. They're not that team. They're going to be in some games. Oh, and, yeah. And Jordan's not going to win those games yet. What you hope to see, actually, best case scenario, glad you brought up Pickett. What you what you hope to see is the games that the defense can keep things close enough in. Can you get a couple of those late fourth quarter drives from Jordan that you got from Kenny last year that give you some hope that, hey, this may turn into something? If you don't see that, then into 24 and beyond, you're looking for someone else or, you know, you're shopping on the open market for the Packers are my dark horse team to get Caleb Williams next year. Oh, that's a take. <laughs> yeah, they're a dark horse team. They could be horrible, horrible, right? They could be horrible. We're talking about one injury, one injury to Jair Alexander. And it's a wrap. This I is, love Jair Alexander. I know. I know. Love Love I know that's the the, the 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 keystone players on this team are like Bakhtiari, who's again, he's 
already one they, of the more fragile linemen in I the league. I think he gets traded at the deadline. If they're and not, if he's they're not, probably going to get traded. If they're not around 500 at the deadline, I think he gets traded. That's right. And now you've got an entire secondary that hinges on one player. So you lose that one player. Suddenly you look up and and it's a team that has no discernible strength, no individual unit where you say, okay, this this is definitely an above average unit. Because right now you can say that about their secondary. You can say that about their secondary and then that's about it. That's about it. And it's not like Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, and Rudy Ford around Jair Alexander is like the are the greatest playmakers, right? I'm telling you, I I've rarely seen a defense that relies more on a singular player and then then by extension because it's it's such a young team and it's in transition where the 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 skill positions are young and the line is old and the one guy that's in his prime that's carrying this whole thing the keystone is Jair Alexander he better stay healthy man he better stay healthy I'm telling you he breaks his wrist oh my god that's 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 a Jair Alexander is a prime 10.0 10.0 on Cody's dog rating system. That guy has it. Whatever it is, that yeah. guy has it. Yeah. Yeah. In abundance. But, but that's but, the thing. If you have a top-heavy team with just a couple stars that are making this whole thing possible, it's very dangerous. And this is I what love the Lucas Van Ness pick, right? That was a I great pick. That, you know, investing too. in edge is what, was, is what they needed to do. They lost a bunch of edge rushers in free agency. It was smart. The Jaden Reed pick was good. Luke Musgrave was the tight end in this class that has that Travis Kelsey level ceiling because he has the size adjusted athleticism that the other tight ends, even Dalton Kincaid, do not possess. So Van Ness Musgrave Reed of those first three picks, I love these picks. And I love these picks for a rebuilding franchise, which I believe they know they are, but they want to prevent the public from realizing they're that for as long as possible. Then suddenly these trades are going to come down. Bakhtiari's gone. Suddenly you look up and everyone's like, oh yeah, they're rebuilding. Oh yeah, they're trying out Sean Clifford at quarterback. Yeah, guys. Oh man. Oh man. Uh, that That's my guy. Aaron Nagler from uh, Cheesehead TV was talking about Sean Clifford the other day. And yeah. I'm just laughing. I'm like, every fan of a Big Ten football team has seen more Sean Clifford than they ever needed to see in their life. He's basically Penn State JT Barrett. Man was in college for 47 and a half. But again, when you stay in college that long, you develop some traits and you have your grown man body as opposed to some of these 20, 21, 22-year-olds that come into the league, Sean Clifford may get some snaps, man. That'd be fun. I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. R.C. Fisher got. came on the show, and he is one of the, the great sort of depth chart analysts. He can tell you who the number three, the number four quarterback is on these teams. And when I talked about the Packers quarterback situation, which we know is going to be in flux, he talked about USFL MVP Alex Magoo, Alexander Magoo played at FIU, was not particularly impressive, but this guy, if you're looking for this year's Taylor Heineke, it's Alexander Magoo. That's a guy that we need to keep an eye on. He's jacked. He's got a whole sleeve tattoo on his right arm. He has the the eye black that goes down his whole face. Love that. Right? Especially so, for quarterback. Right. So you he love that. He th- he's, he's playing quarterback like an edge rusher. You love to see it. Uh, he's got a bandana. He's got long hair. It, you can't even make this up. Alex Magoo and his name's fucking Magoo. It's unbel- It's unbelievably cool. I love him and I'm excited to see him. 
and he's gonna he's gonna get in there. If Clifford doesn't fire, it's gonna be Magoo. And everyone's like, "Why are you guys talking about this? It's Jordan Love." Hey, guess what? Jordan Love isn't good. He wasn't good at Utah State. He was never good. And these quarterbacks that get drafted at like slot 18, 19, more often than not, they're the guys that were loved by some scout, but there was enough caution in the front office that they, they just could not push the button in the top 10. And then they slide to like pick 18, 19, 20. Most of these quarterbacks fail. And I want to ask you something. I want to ask you something. Jordan I'm Love sure. Jordan Love never should have been drafted in the first round anyway. I think they did that to get the fifth year option. But, you know, again, here's the question that I'll ask. If you did you watch the Hall of Fame game? Did you watch any of that? Please don't ask me these questions because I'm revealed to be a not as serious football watcher as other people and to be a host <laughs> of so many shows on the network, that's a bad look. I get it. <laughs> So, but I will say in all honesty, uh, you know, with a straight face, because you ask the question, you ask, I answer, I, I tell no lies on this program. No, I didn't watch. Okay. So what happened in the game was largely inconsequential. What you did see though, was something that we're going to start to see teams chase later in rounds. And what you saw was the Browns had Kellen Mond out there and he looked God awful, just horrible. And they inserted Dorian Thompson Robinson, who by any metric has one of the strongest arms you'll ever see. I mean, the dude, occasionally we get carried away talking about people having a rail gun. DTR has a rail gun. Like that is not just an NFL arm. We would call that a plus NFL arm. And he's just out there running around and chucking insane throws that you could never get away with against a base NFL defense, you know, on on a real Sunday. But you see what if you harness, he could be. That's the kind of quarterback that you want to chase with upside in the end of day two and into day three of the NFL draft. If you can find a guy that has something like that, that no one else possesses, you're getting a a project, but you're getting a project that you know some part of has already been built out for. It's not like you have to reconstruct everything about him. Dorian Thompson Robinson is always going to have one of the strongest arms in the NFL. We know that. That's not something you have to teach him. You never have to. You're never going to have to worry about an 18-yard dig if he can throw it on time or not, because he can afford to be late. There are a few guys in the league that have arms like that that can afford to be late. It's like we've talked about. Burrow cannot make that throw. He's got to be on time or early. He doesn't have the arm to make that. DTR versus Mond was a perfect example. So for anybody that watched the Hall of Fame game, and if you didn't go back, you can find clips or the cut-ups of those two. Just watching the difference and having the juice the DTR has versus Callan Mond, you know immediately. And the thing is, it's hard to tell in real time if a guy is a guy until you put someone else in the same situation and watch the difference. It's basically a litmus test. So watching Jordan Love, when you when you watch him play against other NFL quarterbacks that you think have made that ceiling, it's going to be pretty clear. Either he belongs or he doesn't. And if he doesn't belong, you're going to have to get someone in there that does. That's 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 a great point. Great fifth round use, right? Great fifth round pick. Incredible, right? Oh, yeah. Loved that for Cleveland, especially. You know, God, that arm is so rare. Kellen Mond's yeah. done. Kellen Mond's never going to be a thing, though he was a nope. third round pick. You just We chased- wanted him to be a thing. Chase the athleticism, chase the arm strength in, in day three. That that's such an easy move. And you know who else did that? But I, I don't even I don't even think he was drafted. Detroit. Adrian Martinez. <laughs> Adrian was- Martinez from Kansas State. 
He is an incredible athlete, a better athlete than even Dorian Robinson. Though Adrian Dorian Martin. Robinson progressively got better. The nice thing about Thompson Robinson was not quite the same level of athlete, but he goes from, you know, eight yards per attempt to eight and a half yards per attempt, goes from 62% completion percentage to 70% completion percentage, goes from 21 touchdowns to 27 touchdowns, only six interceptions and 10 interceptions in back-to-back seasons, jumps up in the rushing category, 600 yards, 650 yards rushing. So progressively improving. They turn the ball over to him. They asked him to throw almost 400 times at UCLA last year. I love it. I am drafting Dorian Thompson-Robinson at the end of Superflex rookie drafts. I am acquiring Tyson Badgett, who's another backup quarterback that I like on the Bears. He, I think, will will eventually seize the number two job in Chicago. And this, this, you know, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, another great example, and another great example after that, a guy that I picked up in the deepest of leagues, the deepest of Superflex leagues, where the taxi squad is rookie only, that type of league, is Adrian Martinez. And um, you're not allowed to be surprised when he becomes the next Taysom Hill, when they find interesting Swiss Army knife jobs for him to do on the football field. Just to go out and, and, and sign an incredible athlete like that that can also throw when you need him, when you need to put him in there. Because behind Jared Goff, there, there's, you know, you don't have anyone that's impressive that's healthy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Hendon, who we hope recovers and can be that guy. Loves Until the then, shot it's going to be Nate Sudfeld. Yeah. So you got to tell me Nate Sudfeld's a, a, a measurably better passer than Adrian Martinez brings more to the table? No. I think Adrian Martinez probably today, as of this moment, is better at sustaining drives for the Lions than Nate Sudfeld. I'd be willing to say that easily. Another another Big Ten forever guy. He was at Nebraska forever and then had the magical year at Kansas State, which everybody's going to forget that Kansas State won the Big 12 and not TCU. Magic. That's going to be absolutely forgotten at time. But He's a magic man. He's a magic man. So now I'm pulling up the Detroit team insight in our world-famous draft kit. Let's talk about Detroit. They are officially the favorites to win the NFC North, it makes me very happy. We talked about this two years ago. If you go back two years ago, we told you that this was the time that Detroit would be favored to win the division, and we listed out the reasons why. It was that Chicago was going to have to tear down what they had with Trubisky, which we all knew. It was that they were going to have to figure out what they had with Nagy, which they did, and they got rid of him, thank God. It was the fact that the Packers were going to run out of their window with Aaron Rodgers. They have. And it was also that we knew Minnesota was tied to Kirk Cousins at the time, which was going to handicap a little bit of what they could do roster construction-wise in a way that Detroit wouldn't. And now you have a Lions roster that across the board just has all kinds of talent in places that you hadn't even realized that they had picked up guys in. The secondary is better than you think it is. Oh, yeah. Cameron Sutton they've added. They've added Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I believe Emmanuel just, Mosley. Just, just got hurt. Emmanuel Mosley on down the board. You know, Mac McCain, who I've never heard of. Uh, Savion Smith, who I've never heard of. So it's, 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 it's quite something, it's man. It's, 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 quite, it's, quite, it's quite something to see a team address all of its major weaknesses and yet still find a way to betray you. It's so weird in that they were our Lions. They're no longer our Lions anymore because they decided to use their first-round picks on a running back and a middle linebacker, which was just one of the betrayals of my life. <laughs> it, I mean, it was crazy. It was so bad. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, they did, did get Brian Branch. Did. They did say, okay, in the second round, whoever is in charge of actually picking good players is going to take over and players that we need that, that can add value. Okay, we're going to get Brian Branch in here. But that was about it. It was it was a pathetic draft. It was one of the worst drafts I've ever seen, and uh, it was super sad um, that what could have been a team that was going to make a run at a Super Bowl is now not what it could have been because if they had just gone offensive line, edge rusher in the first take round, what's there. and just take what was there, it was all there for the take. It was it was literally all there for the taking. There, I mean, the Eagles did that. If they had just done what the Eagles did and just hey hey you're you're, you're going to let. Uh, Georgia Maulers, you know, Georgia quarterback wreckers make it to the end of the first round. Well, okay. we'll, we'll fix the glitch. <laughs> yeah. And then who was who was responsible for the glitch in the first place? Lions going up to the 12th spot to pick a running back. To take Jack Campbell, an inside linebacker in the top 20. I, I know that this was a need of theirs. Linebacker was a weakness. Secondary is a weakness. And they've addressed those needs. I That's good. There's a reason why they're going to win the division. That's that's why. They've, they've, they've fixed the house. They fixed it up, but they didn't use the best parts they could. They didn't do everything they could. They didn't renovate where they should have renovated. They didn't use the right uh, appliances. Right? There's no Viking stove. Right, there's no sub-zero fridge. Like they, they, it was a nice renovation. They can flip the house. They can make money. They can go to the playoffs. But it's just not what it could have been. It's just not yeah. quite what it could have been. But I'm excited. I'm excited uh, to watch Amon Ross St. Brown try to be the next great wide receiver and join, create a big three from what is now a big two with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. He absolutely has the ability to be the next Cooper Cup. And the irony of Jared Goff being the next Matthew Stafford and St. Brown being the next Cooper Cup after the Rams traded Goff to the Lions for Matthew Stafford, that's peak irony. Yeah, yeah. And the the funniest part about the Lions draft is if you just ignore round one, if you just ignore the fact that they went Gibbs and Campbell, round two, day, day two was awesome. I fundamentally believe what happened was that their... General manager Brad Holmes lost control of the team, and that at some point Dan Campbell made a phone call to the top equity holders and said, I've been putting in a lot of work and effort. I've been busting my butt. I need the ability to pick some of these groceries. You got to give me this ability. Just like Bill Parcells demanded this, and Jimmy Johnson demanded this, and now he thinks he's Bill Parcells. Jimmy Johnson, okay, you're not, but he now is empowered to bolster the running game and the linebacking core in the first round. And I don't believe that's what Brad Holmes really wanted to do. Uh, And then after that, I think Campbell closed his laptop after the first round and then put it under his arm and said, see you guys, great, great draft. And then Brad was able to take over and be like, okay, now who do we really want? How do we fix our weaknesses? What the fuck was that? There there you go, man. Laporta's running with the ones. Yeah, Laporta's looking That's my great. Guy. It was good. It was good. Laporta's good. Laporta's good. Brian I don't Branch necessarily want to really good. I don't want to spend love... a, a early second rounder on a tight end. That's not optimal use of positional I don't draft think so capital. <laughs> but I don't think so. it was a good pick, right? It was a I good love pick. Sam. Anytime you can dip into a real area of strength in a particular draft class, in this case, one of the better tight end classes we've ever seen. If you wanted to go get Mayer, if you want to go get Laporta, Musgrave, 
in the early second round, I, I don't fault you for that because the last thing you want to do is, out of desperation, dip into a position that's particularly weak in a particular yeah. year, and you draft a guy in the early second round that would be a, a third rounder in any other year. So some yeah. teams make that mistake. At least they didn't make that mistake. I do believe this team is going to win the cha- the division championship. I'm excited for it. I don't see anything standing in their way. All these other teams are much more flawed than they are. All the teams are flawed. I mean, none of them have an over-under more than eight and a half. And the only reason why, by the way, they're even that high in the over-unders is because they cross against the NFC South. It's because they have all these games against the Panthers, the Buccaneers, right? Look who look who oh, else wanna... the, the Lions play. The Lions have an easy win against the Raiders. And then they've got some of these interdivision games where they play the Packers twice. They play the Bears twice. So you can, actually, going over on the Lions here is very reasonable. Right, they get that Kansas City game out of the way in Week One, and then it's Atlanta, and it's just a bunch of games where they get they, they, very easy to see wins when you go down the board. At the Chargers is a tough game. At Baltimore is a tough game, and then most of the games after that, I'm seeing all the way through to Week 17 at Dallas are very, 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 very likely winnable games. And the the funniest part about it, you look down the championship odds, and it's Eagles, Niners, Cowboys. The four spot is the Lions. Well, that's not going to happen. So that's a and, wasted that's a wasted bet. And the the strange thing is the team immediately after them is Seattle, and then New Orleans, and then Minnesota, and then the Giants. It's a very so, shallow division. It's a very 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 shallow division. And in terms of the value you're going to get, I think some value you're going to get other than just just draft Amon Ross St. Brown as yeah, that's early the as the 103. <laughs> If you take I'm on Ross St. Brown at the 103 in fantasy drafts, I wouldn't blink. I'm I'm all good with it. I'm all good with it. I'm all and good. If it with goes it. Jefferson Chase St. Brown, that I'm like that that's fine. That makes sense. Cooper Cup's hurt. It's fine. Makes sense. I mean, I don't want a running back there. No way. <laughs> now when I can get Rashad White in round six, seven, no way am I drafting a running back in round one. Get out of here. So the value though is in David Montgomery because they are in this division where even we we talked about there's a case to be made that even the Green Bay Packers, especially in the second half, that their defense could be below average. If that happens, then you're talking about all three NFC North teams that the Lions would face with below average defenses. A lot of points being scored. This is a shootout division, and the ball is going to go to David Montgomery inside the five. So just based on the, the probability that David Montgomery has double-digit touchdowns, he's a value in fantasy drafts. I know it's Best gross, balls. but it's true. It's true. Best That's, ball especially. He's going to be a touchdown machine this year. That's what David Montgomery is going to do. He's got another year left. He's still a young man. He's 25 years old. He has struggled with his efficiency and lower body injuries the last couple of years. Correction, just turned 26. But he just turned 26, right? Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, David. And he's got close to 150 catches the last three seasons he's not and he's not not a productive running back it's not like you he, it's not like they replaced jamal williams with a zero david no, they montgomery upgraded. they play. wanted to upgrade no jamal williams jamal williams advanced efficiency metrics like juke rate evaded tackles per touch on player profiler yards created per touch they were all outside the top 50 qualified running backs jamal williams was dust last year he was a touchdown dependent dust ball that's what jamal williams was last year he was there for vibes montgomery yeah Great vibes. I, mean, I love the vibes. Uh, hopefully, some of those positive vibes can rub off on Kareem Hunt, by the way. Yeah. In yeah. New Orleans. Kareem Hunt needs to cheer up. So, yeah. 
David Montgomery, on the other hand, had a, had he was the RB6 in fantasy a couple of years ago. So now we actually put him on a great team that's going to score a ton of points. It's going to be up-tempo, where if I'm looking at the projections, the team projections in the draft kit, one of the, the, the league leaders in plays and, and run plays and total touchdowns. I mean, it's teeing up for David Montgomery to have like a two really good seasons on his resume. One will be 2020, and then the other one will be 2023. Oftentimes, yeah. it's also the first year these running backs sign with a new team. They typically exceed expectations, especially in, in this particular scenario. So I like that a lot. I think the you get to run him behind Penny Sewell and Taylor Decker, too. Like, what else do you want? <laughs> yeah. What else? What I mean, what else? And Detroit's adding linemen. Like, yeah. they're adding Graham Glasgow. Like, they're adding linemen. Just, I mean, they're it's... It's quite something to see what they're doing. It beyond the 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 failure in the first round, the free agent signings and the draft picks. Even a guy like Marvin Jones is going to be a contributor. Like there's some smart moves again, not made by Dan Campbell. When the other guys get their hands on the button and get to write names on cards, the team does Thanks a great job. Weird. Just not when Dan Campbell's in control. Uh, so we'll round out the NFC North with the Minnesota Vikings. This is a team I don't know what the hell to do with. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. They drastically outperformed the likely win total last year just based on their points for and against. They were a 500 team, but they finished 13-4. and four. Now Vegas always understanding this principle, even though their schedule is friendly. Workable. Eight and a half is the win total. So, mm-hmm. and that based on, this is, this is a stay away of a team as I've ever seen. There's not a bet I want to make on this team. I don't have much of an opinion. I love Justin Jefferson, and I think Kirk Cousins is underrated, and I don't have much else to say. I think the the way to play this is if you have interest in something, if you just want something, if you're a Vikings fan, uh, Jordan Addison, Offensive Rookie of the Year, is a fun one. I think K.J. Osborne is a ridiculous value where he's going in drafts right now especially because of the way that Kevin O'Connell is, is going to call things without Dalvin Cook in the building. Um, people are clamoring about Alexander Madison. That's fine. He's a volume guy. There's no – um, nobody's excited about Alexander Madison, the running back. Alexander Madison just, is one just of a my guy. stay away running. We talked about the video I produced. These are the do not draft players in fantasy football. In the middle rounds, Alexander Madison, round five, do not do not do it. Alexander Mike Madison, Davis, round five, out. round six. Do not do it. You want Cam Akers. You want Rashad White. You want players that are actually good. You don't want a banged-up TJ Yeldon, which is what Alexander Madison is. He's one of the least impressive runners I've ever seen. He was impressive, though. As a rookie, he was smooth as he was able to he was a great cutback runner especially as a rookie he saw he had great vision he was able to find creases and slide through them with explosiveness and then every year it's just all the efficiency metrics get degraded and like the yards per route run out of the backfield as a receiver 0.73 just horrific like he's not giving you anything as a receiver and he's not the runner he was three years ago when he had a 4.5 yards per carry that was impressive year before that 4.6 it's just been going down every year he's sustained some lower body injuries he's had some concussions he runs to contact i understand how this is how running backs get chewed up and spit out by the league he's just one of those running backs that doesn't have that 
it feature or trait that allows him to avoid contact, that allows him to stay healthy, that allows him to kind of command a big contract. He doesn't have any of those those things going for him. And you look up and it's just like this 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 guy's a placeholder back. And if Dwayne McBride starts to show incredible like show what Madison had four years ago as a runner, they're gonna start to work in Dwayne McBride as a breather back more and more and more. We're gonna see in Wang Yu or Ty Chandler in the passing game on third downs. That's what we're gonna see. It's this idea that this guy's a, a bell cow back is wrong. He's not. I just wanted to shout out to Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, who came over to is is Vikings GM who came over from working with Andrew Barry and the Browns. There is immense pressure on anybody when you have a 13 win team to go all in and to try and win now. Immense pressure, I'm sure, from Vikings fans came down on him. And instead he said no. This is not a team that year to year can hit those highs consistently. This is not a Cincinnati. This is not a Philadelphia. This is not a San Francisco. This is not a Kansas City or Buffalo. And what he did was, I will get rid of Dalvin Cook. I know how much you love him. He's not worth the money anymore. We can find that production elsewhere. I will get rid of Adam Thielen. You all love him. He's a local hero and his story is awesome. He's not worth $15 million anymore. We'll send him to Carolina. The moves he's making are going to make this franchise better in 2025 and beyond, even if it's quote-unquote sacrificing a window that never existed. Team People get dragged into this all the time. I think it was the 2018 Jacksonville Jaguars with Blake Bortles when they signed him to big money and they said, okay, let's do this. Team immediately fell apart because most wins in the NFL – are relatively close games. You'll have luck regression year to year. It is very unlikely that if you simulated the 2022 season a bunch of times that Minnesota gets to 13 wins. That was in their probably 1% or 2% outcome, top 1% or 2% outcome, and they know that in that building. They're not naive to it. They're not ignorant. They're not making moves to win right now. Dude, I saw that in the draft. They're trading down. They're trading down. They're trading out of picks in the draft. They're letting go of Thielen, Patrick Peterson, Eric Kendricks, Irv Smith, all these veterans. They're shedding veteran contracts. They're trying to acquire cap space. They're they're trying to you know, bring in some value players to to fill in some just some needs. You know, players that were were busts like you know Joan Williams and trying to give guys a second chance in a, in a new location. This that is how you they're GM doing properly. All the smart GM little things. And the self-awareness, I ne- it's, it's happening hard. in the moment during the draft that I was seeing these moves and I was impressed, right? And I was like, oh, they're going to get Jordan Addison. Boom, they got him, you know? And I was like, that just makes sense. Like, you lose Adam Thielen, you bring in Jordan Addison. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to, you don't have to overthink this stuff. And I'm like, okay, they're, they're just, they're making good, solid front office moves and they're not overthinking it. And it, it didn't strike me the way you just explained it and I'm so glad you explained it exactly the way you did because they were 13 and 4 man they were 13 and 4 they were pushing for the one seed in the NFC that's and and if you look at it in a vacuum you'd sit there and say well why didn't they go all in to try and win a week NFC because they didn't have the horses to go 13 and 4 they were lucky to be there and no one can take away what they did last year from them. The question that you have to ask yourself is, is that outcome possible to replicate over and over again? And it's not. 
It's not at all. It's not. I mean, I think you could argue that was one of the more self-aware, great internal scouting initiatives by a front office that we've seen in years. I mean, you, this team has direction in a way that other teams don't. And if you're a Vikings fan, this season after last season is probably going to suck to an extent because of the highs of last year. Winning 13 games is an accomplishment no matter when you do. So this is all the more reason to bet the Lions to win this division. When you look at the division odds, I mean, the, the Lions are the favorite, but it's not like a, it's, it's, it's not crazy. Like on BetMGM, they're plus 130. I think the best odds are actually on DraftKings and actually FanDuel plus 145. You get a half double up, essentially. That, to me, is a great bet because what you have in the Vikings, the Packers, and the Bears are three teams that are rebuilding, and only one of them has gone public with this information. <laughs> yeah, and the 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 funniest part about what what Kwesi's done in, in Minnesota is if you look at this, this coaching staff, they've blended the youth of a Kevin O'Connell. Their defensive coordinator is Wade Phillips. They have both sides of the equation. They have a guy that's seen everything, and they have a guy that's going to throw everything new age at him over and over again. Over time, this will be a really good team that is consistently able to win 10 or 11 games because they know what they're doing. It's not about tomorrow. They didn't do this because of 2023. Obviously, they would have loved to have all these guys, but they know that in an NFC where a bunch of teams are rebuilding, if they jump ahead of the curve, kind of like the Lions did, you don't want to be where Atlanta is, where you're trying to plug pieces in to save the franchise after Matt Ryan left a year later than he should have. They're one year behind where they should have been in that rebuild. And that's not anyone's fault necessarily that's there at this moment. But we talked about that on this show, how the, the Falcons lacked that self-awareness, that self-awareness that the Vikings clearly have. Which they're not worried about 2023, because if you look at it year by year as a window, you need to be a championship caliber team to look at your roster in that manner. And if you're not in that Super Bowl five where you're the basically the the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, the Eagles, the Niners, and you could throw the Cowboys in there too if you want to, if you think they take that step this year, which a lot of people think they can. If you're not one of those teams and you're trying to quote unquote win now, you can push the chips in to an extent, but you can't do what the Saints did, what the Rams did, where you push everything in and cut off access to assets for the future in order to do it. You can burn some salary cap space. You can spend money on guys that you want to bring in. That's not a problem. But you can't trade away future draft capital. They didn't. You can't give up assets in the draft as you're going forward. Instead, they picked up future draft picks in trading down this year. Minnesota has an identity now. And that's something that you know you didn't you had with Mike Zimmer, which was we're going to play good defense, and our quarterback is Kirk Cousins, and we're going to throw the ball all over the yard. Great. Awesome. Well, they're also they're also devaluing the running game, which is what you love to see from a front office, where they're like, yeah, we're going to let Dalvin Cook go, and we're not going to backfill him. Just like you, you see this, this is the DNA that comes from Cleveland. We're going to let Kareem Hunt go. We're not going to backfill him. Jerome Ford has a hamstring injury. Okay, you know we'll 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 make it work, right? Yeah. It, we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna bring in uh, what John Kelly, right? John Kelly's now relevant, and Demetric Felton's now relevant, and all the we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We got Kelly, right? Yeah. Whatever, it's fine. It's a running back, doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So, and you see that same mentality coming over from Cleveland, where it's like, yeah, we're gonna make it work with Wong Yu and Chandler 
and McBride from the seventh round and eat it. And look at look at the way that they've acquired the pieces that they've acquired. Justin Jefferson was is one of the best players in the league that they got at 22nd overall. They got Jordan Addison late in the first round as their wide receiver, too. They paid nothing for K.J. Osborne. Christian Derisaw was a late first-round pick. Christian Derisaw, late first-round pick. Top 10 talent, late first round. And they keep doing this over and over and over again, and they're going to stack the chips that are there much in the same way Cleveland got Amari Cooper for a discount, got Elijah Moore for a discount. They got Nick Chubb in the second round, not a first-round pick. The, The way that these teams are building themselves is helping them not only in the interim, but also long-term when they let guys go, they have the assets to backfill them as they choose, not because they have to. Nick Chubb is a luxury for the Browns to be able to afford, and they can afford him because they got Amari Cooper for nothing draft capital-wise. They got Elijah Moore for nothing relatively draft capital-wise, and they haven't had to pay Elijah Moore anything yet. They paid Amari Cooper and his contract relative to other wide receiver contracts right now looks great. David Njoku, they got four years of production paying him next to nothing. Kareem Hunt, again, didn't make a lot of money as their running back too. Yes, if Deshaun your name Watson. Is, if your last name is Moore, you're screaming up ADP boards, Sky Moore, Elijah Moore, or your team just stole you, right? Stole, <laughs> stole a young talent at value as a throw-in or with yeah. a late-round pick swap like Elijah Moore or DJ Moore. It all comes back to the Moors, baby. It's all about the Moors. And Minnesota fans should be thrilled about the direction of the organization because they're not chasing wins in 2023 as they shouldn't be. They weren't chasing wins in 2022 either. They just happened. Sometimes you just have a pop year that you didn't expect because the luck swings super far in your way one direction. You need to be able to acknowledge that that's a a top one or two percentile outcome and not chase the dragon, so to speak, into pushing all of your chips in in a year where you really can't win it. We all knew going into the playoffs last year, Minnesota had realistically very little chance to win a Super Bowl. Fraudulent! And if you know that, and if you were self-aware enough to know, we had an awesome season, we should sell it to our fans as that was... An incredible season. We didn't even think that we could hit those highs. How exciting is the future? But you can also strip away the veteran contracts that you don't you just don't want to pay anymore. Dalvin Cook's 12 million. Adam Thielen's 10 plus million. So many. now this team is set up for the future much better than even 2022 Minnesota was yes. that won 13 games. And that's possibly the hardest thing to do in the sport is to know when the mirage is a mirage and to not buy into it anyway. And to be able to sell that vision to the people in the front office, to sell that to ownership, to sell that to your coaches, your players, and the fan base in general saying, hey, we have a plan. This is not, we're not stripping the team down to nothing. We have a plan. We're just getting rid of aging contracts that we don't think are worth that money. The Lions need to be worried. I just realized this too, right? You've got the Bears and the Vikings that are rebuilding the right way that are two years out. The Packers are four years out. The Packers are dead. They're a dead team walking. They don't even necessarily know it yet. They might know it, but certainly the fans don't know it yet. Front office might. This is the year for the Lions. The Lions have to make a push. They they should have it. The Lions need that sense of urgency that the Vikings chose to you know, uh, ignore because the Bears and the Viking coming. 
You can tell they love him. Occasionally, we get carried away that people are going to be in the comments going, don't you know, don't you know that Kareem Hunt's working out there? Don't you know that Jerome Ford, he, he's... Strained a hamstring. Like yeah. this is me typing, by the way. I'm just typing, typing, just typing, oh, the keyboard banging on the, the banging, banging, banging on the keyboard. You don't you know? Don't you know? You need to know about these injuries. How did you not know this when you were doing this video? Occasionally, we get carried away talking about people having a rail gun. Everybody enjoy the Jordan Love era with a, a passing game with no one is older than 24 years old, this is going to be fun. No, it's not going to be fun. Regression! 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 Everybody's going to forget that Kansas State won the Big 12 and not TCU. I know. I know. If you take Amon Ross St. Brown at the 103 in fantasy drafts, I wouldn't blink. I'm I'm all good with it. If you Did you watch the Hall of Fame game? Did you watch any of that? Please don't ask me these questions because I'm revealed to be a not as serious football watcher as other people and to be a host of so many shows on the network. That's a bad look. I get it. And they didn't have to use an early pick on a wide receiver because they got DJ Moore. If you take Amon Ross St. Brown at the 103 in fantasy drafts, I wouldn't blink. I'm I'm all good with it.